everyone, this is Lucky Alicious, and this episode of Eat My Pagan Ass number 46 was supposed to be the Samhain 2012 episode, which I recorded with my lovely friend Courtney Weber, High Priestess of the Novices of the Old Ways Coven in New York City. Uh, it was chock full of delicious Samhain goodness, and we wanted to get this out before Samhain, of course, because there were some time-sensitive things in there, some dates and whatnot that Courtney was sharing with uh, upcoming opportunities for people to take important action to stop some dangerous environmental things that are coming to New York City or are threatening to come to New York City. Um, but I was not able to get this out in time for any of that to be at all relevant because of a little something called Superstorm Sandy, which as you probably know, came roaring through New York City and surrounding areas and not only laid waste to a lot of um, a lot of areas, which is a very, very sad thing and people are still picking up the pieces, but um, also flooded my neighborhood and uh, I lost uh, electricity, heat, hot water, telephone, internet, the whole thing was gone and I was basically in a non-alcohol-induced blackout for a little more than a week and wound up having to actually uh, leave the neighborhood and stay with a couple very generous friends in an untainted part of the city called uh, Park Slope where uh, we got some heat, hot water, and hot showers. Oh, hot showers, amazing things. But it was all Laura Ingalls' Little House on the Prairie here for a few days as I tried to keep myself, my partner, and my cat comfortable. But the temperature started dropping, and then we just realized we couldn't stick it out much longer. That's why this episode is coming out to you now uh, <laughs> more than two weeks after October 31st. Um, but there's still such, such good stuff in there, and I had so much fun with Courtney that I wanted to get this out there uh, for you all. And I want you all to meet her, and we'll be hearing a lot more from her in the future. Um, on that, I can bet and win. So uh, I, I guess that's it. Um, I'm fine. I'm you know back to normal, sort of, um, post-Sandy. Although, like I said, there are still a lot of people in the area who have no homes. Their homes were burned out, destroyed, washed away, blown away. Um, so it was pretty severe. So if you haven't already committed or donated anything to Sandy Relief Efforts, if you, if you have any money to spare, please do. Uh, please do make a donation. Well, there are a lot of people here desperately need it. Um, and winter is coming, and that is not just a Game of Thrones-ism anymore. Winter is here, kids, in the Northern Hemisphere, and it's getting pretty awfully cold. Uh, I think that's all I wanted to say. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, I, yeah, I did also want to say I'm sorry for the sound quality. I went and I bought an expensive new microphone that I thought was going to make it sound really cool and really professional and uh, didn't have time to practice it or work with it before Courtney showed up. And so um, I didn't really know how to set it up or anything. And so I think the sound quality is a little less than what we're all used to here on this wonderful, highly produced pagan podcast, but um, you can still hear everything, and, and that's that, and, and I promise I'm going to work in the future to try to get a better sound quality into this, because you know, there's nothing I love more than sounding mellifluous and sexy in all of your ears, and we can't have Luckylicious sounding like he's talking in a tin can, can we? No. All right, kitties, I hope you had a wonderful Samhain. I hope you were safe and warm and, and that you had a lot of fun. If you did anything fun with costumes, I want to see them. Come on. Um, email eatmypaganass at gmail.com or post on the Facebook wall we have. Uh, share your pictures, tag your friends, 
all of that fun social shit uh, because, you know, <laughs> sometimes I do have a lot of time on my hands and, and I have nothing better to do than to stalk all of you. So please, please share. Share with this lonely lucky here in, in my devastated New York City. That's all. So blessed be everyone. I love you all and I'm so glad to be back and I look forward to presenting more wonderful programming to you, not only on this podcast, but there's another one in the works, kitties, and this one's going to be really, really awesome. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you more later, but for now, enjoy the show. Blessed be. Hey everybody, this is Lucky Licious, and you're listening to Eat My Pagan Ass, a pagan podcast. Today is October 15th, 2012, and you're listening to episode number 46. Unbelievable. It is in the Northern Hemisphere, the Samhain Tide, as it were. In the South, in good old Australia, where our friend G'day Parma is, it's just now becoming Beltane. I saw a post on Facebook about it saying, it's Beltane, we're all posting sexy pictures, and I'm so not into the vibe. It is Samhain here in the Northern Hemisphere, and this is one of my favorite times of year. Um, the weather is changing, it's getting cooler, the leaves are changing. I just spent a weekend hiking and saw a little bit of foliage, although it's still too early here in New York City and New York State to see the real beauty of fall um, in terms of all the red leaves. But that's coming soon enough. But there is lots and lots of pumpkin-y flavored things to be had in the city. I've had my pumpkin latte at Starbucks. Um, there's pumpkins at the supermarket, pumpkin pie, pumpkin spice bread. It's all pumpkin all the time. So I'm feeling great. To no further ado, I have a very special guest with me today, and I'm delighted that she can join me on the podcast. She's a leader. She's a high priestess. Uh, she's an author. She's um, an activist, and um, she's so much more. But most of all, she's fucking gorgeous. And her name, ladies and gentlemen, is Courtney Weber. Courtney, say hello. Hi. What you doing, Courtney? I'm sipping tea. Mm. I just ate some pumpkin cake. Yeah. That's what we just talked about. I'm pumping her full of pumpkin. <laughs> Actually, I, I was going to go. I was having a suburban weekend here in New York. I went to the Bronx Target, and I stopped by Starbucks before I went there, and I was wearing my sweatpants. Mm. And I was on the phone with my boyfriend, and I said, I'm a total yuppie. And he goes, no, honey, don't say that. You don't have to always call your, wait, are you on your cell phone ordering at Starbucks? And yeah. And he goes, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. you are. And I was going to get pumpkin spice, but I went crazy and tried the salted caramel mocha. And? It was so good. Wow. I was really happy. I'm salivating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for having me on the show. It's not just about mochas tonight. No, not tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about a lot of things, including... Our Adventures at New York City Pagan Pride yes. Day, 2012. It was so much fun. <clears throat> it was a lot of work, too, though, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, but very rewarding. Absolutely. We're going to talk about more the harvest season and, and what that means from a pagan perspective. We are going to talk about you, of course. and, and uh, That's boring. That's no, it's not boring. That. I want to hear all of that. <laughs> <laughs> We're 
we have elections coming up in the United States, and uh, I think we should talk about that because who are we not to talk about it? If we don't, who will, right? And there are a few other things that we want to talk about. I know you've got, um, you want to talk about something very sinister happening. Yes, we have a very evil dragon heading towards New York City, and it's up to all of us to stop it. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. I'm burnishing my armor right now. Yeah, totally. Point me in the direction, and I'll go. Oh, man, yeah. I'm ready. I got I got papers here and maps and everything. She is she is well it's, documented. This is this is probably the nerdiest podcast table ever. It's tea and then all these papers, lists of things that Lucky and I decided we wanted to talk about tonight. Mm-hmm. She's got so, one of these one of these uh, maps that you see in like murder mystery movies, where she's got like the suspects pinned up on the wall and strings linking this person to that person in their last location and all this. It's pretty serious. Yeah, We're like an HQ right it is, here. It's all lists of things that are happening this month in New York City, both Samhain related and hydrofrac gas dragon slang. Boo! Boo! We hate hydrofracking. Yeah, too. If you're a hydrofracker, you should turn off this podcast now because we're going to say bad things about you. Right, you're going to cry. Bad. You're going to run home to your mommy. You're going to be like, I'm, that was making the mean me. I'm unsubscribing. I'm unsubscribing. Click. <laughs> Click. <laughs> They'll be back. They'll be back. I just want to quit Facebook because people don't really quit Eat My Pagan Ass Podcast. Who would? I'm never listening again. And then a week later, okay, I'll just listen for on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, no one could get enough lucky. Right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my God. So, Courtney, tell all the ferns about your... I'll start with a question. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about, first of all, you and um, what your spiritual foundation is. Mm-hmm. I am a witch. And I do use the word Wiccan. And I've been involved with the craft um, for about 11 years formally. Um, I'm 31 now, so it was on my 20th birthday that I really started. I think like most girls who are in Catholic school in the suburbs, eventually you start pulling out the Ouija board and playing around and things like that and scaring yourselves. And I started exploring different ways to know the divine when I was 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Who helped you with that? Captain Howdy? Captain Howdy, yeah. No. Wait, who was that? <laughs> Captain who? Captain Howdy. Who's Captain Howdy? You know, I make the questions and he does the answers. Oh, Captain Howdy, yeah. He's nice. Oh, I bet he is. All right, let's see what the... Keep away! This hour is mine. Fuck me! Fuck me! Fuck me! Oh my god, I remember him. I was so oh wait. No, I don't remember him. That was that was a bad night. But um it was something like one of my teachers says he said he created Gavinism and I remember having the same experience and deciding I'm not gonna be Catholic. I'm gonna be a Courtneyist and I'm just gonna believe what I'm gonna believe. Which I believe that everything on the planet has a spirit. I believe in magic and I believe in reincarnation and I believe you should just be nice to people. And I believe that wait, there's already a religion like this, and it's called Wicca. And it was weird. It was like other people knew I was Wiccan before I knew I was Wiccan because they would start giving me books on Wicca. Mm. Like, oh, you read this stuff, right? And I didn't even know what they were talking about. And I read this, like, there's pagan Wiccan weddings. Those are, who does, they have 13 people. Who can you find 13 witches and I have a coven of 18? Mm-hmm. Oh, so it was like, it was very funny. Um, and then, I don't know, my 20th birthday just kind of came together. I think the Christians 
would say a similar experience that they were born again. And as we Wiccans and pagans say, we were born again and again and again and again. And that was where I got started. And I met my first high priestess that fall. My birth, my cancer. So when I came back to school that fall, I um, met, you know, my friend Fern, who later became my sister priestess. We were initiated together and um, met her mother, who was the high priestess of the Grove of uh, Sacred Oak Rowan and You in Portland, Oregon. And that's where I started my training. Portland in the I house. Know, right? By the way, since you just brought up Portland, I feel it's very important for me to mention someone who's been highly influential and dear to me. His name is J.P., and he was the host of Pagan in Portland podcast. Yay! And he just had his finale episode. Oh. And uh, I make a guest appearance in the finale. Oh. I'm very excited, as do many, many other people that have contributed to his show over the time or who have been part of his uh, pagan experience in Portland. The good news is we can still continue to hear JP. He's just rebranded. He started a new podcast called Cosmophilia, which will have more of an astrological uh, focus on nice. it because he's been spending a lot of time studying astrology and herbology and all that fun stuff. So mm-hmm. listen to Cosmophilia, everyone. And when you do, tell them, tell JP that Lucky sent you and give him a big kiss for me right nice. on the ass. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We love pagans in Portland. Oh, they're fun. <laughs> they're fun. And they're jazzed on so much coffee, too. Oh, my God. So true. They actually had a very successful Pagan Pride Day themselves. I think the weekend before ours. Maybe it was the same weekend. They all seemed to happen at the end of September. But mm. um, my friend Kanani was one of the main organizers along with um, Katara Hazel, who was um, very influential in my early days. And so those, she and um, Katara's wife, whose name I'm forgetting. I'm so sorry, Katara, if you're listening. And Mrs. Katara, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I forget her name. <laughs> anyway, the three of them um, you know, were in a very successful, uh, and, and Jason Pitzel-Waters was, um, I think, one of the keynote speakers out there. So they've got a quite a burgeoning pagan community. But um, Who's Jason Pitzel-Waters? Uh, the Wild Hunt. Oh. Yeah. So he does a lot of the pagan news stuff, and yeah. he was a big supporter of pagans doing Occupy last year. So um, I love him. He's mm. cool. Look, you learn something new on Eat My Pagan Ass every episode. I learn a lot about eating pagan ass on this podcast. <laughs> I really do. But um, back to me. Yes. If we're talking about me. Yes. Speaking of me. Go for it. All right. Run with it. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to move to New York in 2003. And um, I figured I would just let this wicked stuff go off to the side because who practices witchcraft in New York? Mm. There are no pagans in New York. Nope, no, no. No, there are no pagans in New York. And, but just before I left, I had a very profound um, revelation, and my high priestess took it as a sign that it was time to start priestess training. And I was like, oh, how am I going to do this? And she said, well, let's just try it. Let's just try some stuff online. We'll get you to, to work. And um, Did it involve a pink dildo? No. Oh. Okay, so I guess we had a different That experience. was a story we were going to talk about later. Later? Okay. Sorry, so, I, I just I thought it was like my ex- my experience. No, 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 that was my goddaughter's baby shower. We gave away a pink dildo oh. as a as a prize, oh. along with spermicidal condoms. Don't let this happen to you, mm. you, you. <laughs> it's a sorry side story. So back to you. Back to me. I um, moved to New York and I worked on um, training long distance, and I kept finding random pagans that were looking for other places, you know, to play people to work with and the people wanted me to teach them. I didn't know anything. 
I still don't feel like I know anything, but I really felt like I didn't know anything. I didn't know why people were like, I want to work with you. Teach me. I'm like, but I don't know anything. They said, that's okay. Teach me what you know. I'm like, all right, well, this is a circle. Oh, that's so great. Thank you for teaching me. Okay. <laughs> this is the North and fall earth there and East and fall air there. And, um, over time, I started one coven that failed spectacularly. You don't ever name your coven nymphs of pandemonia ever because you're not going to get anywhere on time. Mm. And you know, your rituals will just devolve into drunkenness and you will eventually break up over a dick, mm. which, <laughs> mm. which we did. You know, dicks, dicks can bring our community together, but they can also, uh, so they can also drive it apart, yeah, right? Yeah. But no, I, I actually look back now and I think that that was... Um, the catalyst for the birth of, of novices of the old ways and that when that coven broke up and said well let's just invite some people over and do a little immolk ritual and about five years later those same people continue to come back and we've grown so immolk's a good time of year to do that yeah it was yeah, yeah so that's that's been um that's been the that's the, the short version of it i've i've traveled um, to Ireland to study witchcraft. I've um, studied different spiritual techniques in um, barns in Italy. I've you know developed you know, what's like a you know a network of people that practice a similar philosophy to um, what I and, and my coveners do, which is we call ourselves progressive. It's not a tradition; it's more of a philosophy, and it's using whatever works to Janet Ferrar and Gavin Bones. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm one of their initiates, and so, but we found each other after we already realized we were doing the same thing, but they just had far, far more knowledge and expertise than mm. I, you know, did and probably ever will. They pulled me, um, and they're like, "Hey, uh, what are you doing?" And I said, "Well, these are me and my friends, and here's how we practice. Here's what we do." And they're like, "Oh, you know." After some time and some correspondence, I said, "You know, we're going to initiate you, and you'll be one of ours." Um, and I went to Ireland and was initiated as a priestess of Breach, um, which was a, a very, it was a very simple, gentle ritual. But within 24 hours, my entire life had turned upside down. All of my plans for, for the future were completely up, up, upended within 24 hours of that initiation. And I was literally weeping on the floor of their cottage in Ireland and realized the gods of Breach had come in and you know, shaken, pull the tablecloth, as they call it, pull the tablecloth under everything I'd so carefully tried to arrange and with it, everything had gone smashed to the floor. Is their, um, <clears throat> their initiation structure used degrees or? Yes, but it's not, it's not the way um, a lot of times Americans use degrees because in their philosophy, your degree is a personal note of, of accomplishment and at least in their coven, they say your degree only matters within this coven because mm-hmm. we recognize you have gone through enough trials and tribulations and strengths and um, to acknowledge, to say that they've, you've received a third degree. Now they gave me what, you know, they gave me a third degree initiation. And so for a while I was using the term saying I'm a third degree initiate, but then later I wouldn't talk to them and I said, I'm not using that as a title anymore. It's not because I reject it because I know that, you know, I receive this from you and that's my, that is my, that is your gift to me saying we appreciate what the work that you've done, mm-hmm. but I don't use that out in the community the way that I see a lot of other pagans do. Like I'm a first degree, I'm a second degree, I'm a third degree. And I don't want that to sound as though I don't respect that in others, but I didn't 
go up the ladder that way. I became a priestess of Pan for my first group. Because my group... Oh, Yo, Pan! <laughs> that that group, um, Sacred Oak Rowan and you in Portland, did not use a degree system. They focused more on ministerial training, training priests and priestesses, mostly priestesses. And that's what I know. And so when I go back to people and say, I don't do the degree system, I didn't go up through it. Yes, I received it, but it was a note of accomplishment because my teachers felt that they wanted me to know that they recognized the work I had done up until that point. Hmm. So, but in that third degree initiation, I became a priestess of breach. And that to me is more, it speaks more to what I do in my ministry as a priestess in, um, in the healing and in the fighting for justice and in the house and home, but also blazing trails out in the streets and also working with the community. Um, You're also pursuing a degree. I was, I, I did a year, I did a year in seminary at Union Theological Seminary. Mm-hmm. And um, just because of, financial logistical reasons it wasn't going to work and um sometimes the gods will give us what we want just to show us we don't need it and i loved union and i miss it in many cases but my path just was when you when you just are banging your head against a wall and there's nothing to do i mean a lot of the deans were saying to me well just have faith and i said well my faith the gods say, if you're running your head into a wall, maybe this is the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And so they said, well, you're going to have to decide for yourself. And I said, I am going to. But Valerie Fresman is there now, and she's wicked working toward getting her degree. And she's also a priestess of Breach. So I'm like, okay, we got we got one of us in there. Mm-hmm. And she's doing an awesome job. So as, as long as we're, somebody's still making the roads with the other faiths, I feel like perhaps my work is going elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, that... Uh, so, the, so that's that's that story is one of my my many crazy little roads that have led me to mm. through this wonderful place in New York City. And so, you have two cats. I have two cats. Yes. We must talk about the cats. Yes, Lilith and Matilda. Lilith is a person dressed up as a cat. <laughs> Matilda is a cat, very much a cat. Okay. Yeah, Lilith is this magical little creature that I found in Connecticut, and she or she found me. I don't know. Cats seem to find their people. And she and I used to take walks together under the moonlight and stuff like that by the water and in the woods and scare people and stuff like that. She actually aids me a lot in healing when I'm doing um, tarot readings or chakra work for people. She'll actually get involved and I just sit in their lap and help. As they said, they feel like she does a lot of the work that I'm trying to do that just take a lot of healing from the cat. Matilda was a payment to Freya Actually, when I did a um, spell with Freya and was like, oh, I'm going to go buy a statue for you and honor you. And she's like, my credit card kept getting rejected and it made me sense. And she's like, don't spend $50 on a statue of me because a kitten's coming. You're going to need that $50 for rabies vaccines. Mm-hmm. And a couple of days later, somebody placed a kitten in my arms and I'm like, oh, crap. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So she's a big furry meatball. Aww. Yeah. And if you ever come to my house, the, the cats will size you up and one will claim you. Lilith usually claims the witchmen, except for my boyfriend, Matilda, claimed Brian.
All right, well, that's cool. Um, so you're progressive and you've got some strong foundations in your training mm-hmm. and you're doing good works by, by, by your works, they shall know you. Um, and that seems to inform um, a lot of the work that I see you doing with your coven, the novices of the old ways. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about the novices of the old ways? What, what do you guys do? What do you do on a Saturday? What's what's going on there? Well, it's, it's um, how big are you? We're, we're a very busy community. Um, and I, I just want to make something very, very clear in that, although we don't follow a tradition, I make this very clear that this doesn't mean to say that we don't like tradition. Um, I think it's because I did not come from a tradition. I'm not set out to create one. If I, if somebody asked me for, you know, for, you know, formulaic tradition, I can think of five right now that I could direct them to. They're absolutely excellent and within a 10 minute drive of here. But I don't feel like the city needs that. Um, We don't need another tradition. What the city really needed was fellowship. And that's something that novices really works to do is provide a space for everybody who's ever come to us has said the same thing. I'm looking for like-minded individuals. Most of the people that come to us are self-initiated. They found their divine in the gods and goddesses, and they're not looking to be tradition to be initiated into a tradition. They're looking simply to enhance their skills and meet other people. We hold six open Sabbaths a year, and we hold um, uh, this usually Samhain, Yule, Imolk, and Beltane, Letha, and Lunasa. We generally don't do open um, Mabon and Ostara just because we're we're so busy. We need a break. We've recently started holding open classes. Um, is we're finding more and more people are looking to enhance their skills. Uh, we do exist of a central core coven, about 18 people, most of whom are in the New York City or the tri-state area. We've got a couple of our members are in Connecticut. We have one member out in Indiana. So where can people find out more about Novices of the Old Ways? Um, our very active and insane Facebook page is probably the best way to start. You do have to request to add, but I'm really not that picky. Mm. I generally like to keep it with people that are either know someone who knows someone just so that it's, it is... A, you know, familiar place, but if you just don't know anybody and you still want to be on the page, I don't care. I, you know, sometimes I reject message like requests from people that are on the far end of the world that really don't have any you know, connection, but most, but I guess what to say is I'm really not that picky. Yeah, no, we, we really focus on providing rituals and classes that speak to what the regional people need. And like I said, in New York City, they really need fellowship. They need a place to connect with other friends and um, to connect with the gods, but also to have something that relates to what's going on here in the city. So when we are doing our rituals, we don't focus so much on trying to recreate old world Celtic Europe as much as we consider what is the spirit of perhaps the story of the Dogda at Imolk, if we decide to bring him in. Like last Imolk, the guy that was was holding the energy of the Dogda came in a three-piece suit. He said, hey, I'm the god of plenty. This is New York City. This is what I look like. And I'm like, oh, that's, that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm. Then also we recognize, I mean, the downside to that is there are there is a contingent of people that are looking for very structured traditions. And that's just not something we provide. But generally, we, you know, we, we, we have something for pretty much everybody who walks in the door. Although our demographic here in the city tends to be um, on the younger side, like early teens to mid-30s. Although we do have people older than that that come to stuff. Um, we I don't let people in you know, under 18 unless they're with a parent or guardian, um, just not going to mess with any kind of legal problems um, mm-hmm. that could come up if you know kids start to come to things unauthorized. Because the philosophy of ours is what can we, what does this, what does the community need, and how can we provide? 
We have um, a sister group growing in, in the Midwest, in Indiana, that you know is very different from the group here in New York City. It tends to be focused more on you know married couples and people that are looking to really specifically enhance their ritual skills. So, but they're also very new, so the time will tell exactly what that community needs and how they can they can provide it. So, interesting to see what develops. Mm. Well, you have some mad skills at Ritual. Thanks. I happen to have witnessed them firsthand. What happened, Lucky? Tell us. Because <laughs> I don't remember. Well, it was a beautiful Saturday. Well, it didn't start out beautiful, but it got a little better as the day went on. In New York City, down by the harbor, in a beautiful place called Battery Park, which overlooks the bay and the beautiful Statue of Liberty. Everything is beautiful in this picture, of course. You can use that word 3,000 times Yay! to describe the experience. Yay! There are beautiful tents set up and... Beautiful squirrels and turkeys running around. And pigeons. And, and pigeons. There were turkeys. I did see a turkey. There that was, was so turkey. weird. Yeah. There was there was a turkey. I remember that now. Mm-hmm. And there was just lots of pagan people down there. And there were vendors and musicians and classes and workshops. And there was some crazy guy walking around with a big top hat on. Oh, my God. That was you. <laughs> Stop. Stop, stop. That was so funny. It was. Well. Like Mad Hatter, steampunk Mad Hatter guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. That was fun. What was most fun is like nobody recognized you. I didn't recognize you Dylan until you came up and grabbed my yeah. butt. And I'm like, oh, I know this butt grab. <laughs> I know that. I know that one. <laughs> As you squealed with delight. I did. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, I do know who you are. Oh, okay. That's lucky. <laughs> it wasn't a stranger's crab. Oh, oh no. no. Well, it's okay. No. So yeah, yeah, uh, Pagan Pride Day in New York City. It was just great. And, and then at the end of the day, after all of the festivities and music and classes, this crazy group of witches like took to the spiral. Did you notice the spiral pattern? In, in the it was just like the Wizard of Oz. It was. That's what I was saying. Like, like, oh my God, I'm going to follow the Elmer crowd. And then yes. look, and people are actually expecting a ritual and here I am walking in a circle like, yeah, this is so cool. I know. Follow the yellow brick road. 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 I'm gonna screw up East and West and I'm like, Jet! Bless It's all on video for all time. I know, it was so funny. We are on YouTube. That was so funny. So, obviously, the novices of the old ways led the annual harvest ritual, which is the conclusion of um, New York City Pagan Pride Day. So you were the high priestess of that, right? So I did. I'm going to get some apple cider. Oh my God, can I have some too? Yes. And then we're going to hear more about New York City Pagan Pride Day. Okay. And we're back. Mm -hmm. Did you know that this week in New York City is hard cider week? I did not know that. Yes, I learned it yesterday at brunch. Um, a lot of bars and venues in the city are serving many varieties of apple cider. Mm. Their mission is to bring apple cider back. I didn't realize that it was gone, um, but they really want to increase the popularity of it. And so. it's well, I mean, in the state especially, because we have such wonderful apples. I mean, why not? Yeah. 
So for real. For real. So you were telling me about this crazy pants ritual you were at. I want to hear all about it. Yeah. So um, it's Pagan Pride Day in New York City, 2012. We're all down in Battery Park. And um, the entire Munchkin village from the Wizard of Oz manifests around that spiral. And, uh, like 300 New York City Munchkins. Basically, there. yeah. In, in, from all walks of life, really. And um, the beauty of it is there are so many different people from different traditions or non-traditions, as the case may be. Mm-hmm. Different communities, um, different ethnic backgrounds, social backgrounds, um, economic, etc. And everyone is just there together um, to give thanks for the bounty of the harvest of our lives and the gift gift of the gods um, to us. In the middle of it all, there's this crazy witch walking around. I know. I, was, I, didn't have, I wasn't, yeah. No. You were fabulous. They didn't, have, they didn't have my theme music, which was that. No, it was it was a wonderful ritual. You, um... So there, there you were with your um, cohort of assistants, many of whom, or perhaps all of whom, are uh, members of the Novices of the Old Ways community. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got the entire um, group, the entire audience involved in the uh, invocation of the elements, the activation of the element. Of yeah, direction. that was so much fun. We did this big chant. One quarter is chanting air, one's doing fire, one's doing earth, one's doing water. And we're all doing it at the same time towards the end. It really builds up nicely. Yeah, yeah, that, that rose really fast. Yeah. I, what I was what I was doing it later I was like God did I, you know, did I change Cause how we how we had it work was you know in the east everyone was chanting air 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 and then in the south they go fire 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 west water water north earth earth so all of them are chanting and it was my job to change the chant to the circle is cast the circle is cast mm-hmm. when I felt it I did it when I felt it happen and then I went oh man did it just happen too fast when I watched the video later it was like no I didn't jump the gun it actually just built the circle cast yeah. so fast. Yeah. about um, Dylan's fishnet stockings. They were orange, and he was wearing a leotard. Yeah. But uh, now tell him what happened next. So, okay, um, then, I don't remember the exact order, but I remember that um, everyone, different people were thanking different um, things, and, um, you know, you got your traditional thanks God, 
god and goddess and ancestors and all that stuff but then you got down to real nitty-gritty like thank you to the transit workers who um, got us here today yeah thank you to the men who drive the garbage trucks who take all the crap away and make sure it's recycled and thank you to the parks department for allowing us to have this and, and it was kind of a litany of these these just thanking new yorkers mm-hmm. who who all contributed to um our festival and the message was that everything that that we do in life is um part of an interconnected web yeah. of, of effort um, yeah exactly and so we must express gratitude um for all that because you know you didn't build that so to speak as... you didn't build that we depend on each other <laughs> no, no he, yeah so that's that happened um and then I forget what happened next, but um, the Harvest King made an appearance, mm-hmm. and uh, this cute little guy came out wearing a very odd garbage bag suit. I couldn't quite understand what was going on there, but I was like, okay, maybe it's like he's a pumpkin or something. <laughs> Whatever, it's fine. He's an urban yeah. guy, so you know he's he's in a grocery bag. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's coming yeah. home from the store. Yeah, yeah. He's got glued, dried up corn stalks haphazardly stuck on there. Uh huh. Uh huh. Then the um, the Harvest Mavens of Mayhem, or yes. is that what they were called? Yes, they were called. Um, various, suddenly the, the, the people who were, who'd looked so normal just moments before, invoking and thanking, uh, returned in, in costume and masked and began to weave in and out and um, calling out for the Harvest King. Just couldn't find him because he was he was running away from them and he was hiding from them. <laughs> Whatever they had in mind for him, he didn't like it. What's that, Harvest King? Me? I don't know what I want. Harvest King! <laughs> Harvest King, the pressures are coming! like it um, apparently but eventually they caught up with him and uh, they brought him to the center and then in a very unexpected graphic uh, portrayal of what happens <laughs> at the time of sacrifice uh, he was eviscerated <laughs> and uh, his guts were uh, strewn all about so uh, by guts I mean corn cobs and squashes and all sorts of bagels oh bagels, <laughs> bagels and a... croissants and challah bread right. and wonder bread right. he was stuffed with bread yes. yes and all this was being thrown out to the audience and we were being commanded to eat eat at the harvest king some people did i saw some people eat that bread um, and then uh, and then all of us were kind of standing there with our jaws It was a geyser of bread and bagels that went flying into the air. People were laughing, like laughing, and then they're like, "What the hell did you guys just do?" Well, because like you, all, all the mavens just descended on him in mass, and mm. like you couldn't see him anymore. You just kind of thought, "Oh, that was it," you know. And then suddenly they're like Wah! screaming, and it's like the worst nightmare zombie movie. Like, just, <laughs> Tearing things out from it. Chucking bread all over. And it was never ending. Like, they just kept, it's like a cornucopia. They just kept pulling more and more. It's like, 
I had no idea that that was under there in the garbage bag. And that was, that was also the shocker. I was like, <laughs> no fucking way. What a surprise. And then, uh, then the Harvest King was resurrected. And it was a good story. He, he came back to life and he was happy again. Even though he still kept dropping corn and out of his ample belly. He never fully recovered from the injury. Did he not? No. But his wife brought him back to life. Yeah, his, uh, that's Sean, a member of our coven. His, his wife said, hey, hey. I posted the coven, I'm like, oh my god, guys, I'll usually get my ideas, like, just before I go to bed, and I'll post something on the coven board. Guys, I have an idea! Mm-hmm. And I know the coven's always like, oh god, Courtney's got an idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just hold on for this. And I'm like, let's let's take somebody, and let's stuff him with bread, and then let's, let's tear him apart. <laughs> and then, that's what we'll do. And then, I went, you know, nobody responded for like five minutes, which in Facebook world is like five days. Oh, yeah. And so I went to bed feeling like a failure priestess. I'm like, oh, they all think it's stupid. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And I wake up the next morning, and, and Sean had responded. He's like, yeah, I'll lay down my life for the good of the community. <laughs> and, then, and then his wife was like, can I kiss him and bring him back to life? I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's write that in. Wendy, kiss, oh, kiss, kiss your Sean and bring him back to life. We oh. actually... Wrote into the ritual, Sean lies dramatically lifeless on the ground while everybody cackles maniacally. It was very, like, Dionysian harvest. People were just digging their bread, like, Wah! Yeah. And um, I don't know if you remember, we were spoofing the warriors who were snapping. And the iconic 70s movie about the gangs of New York and how they went to Coney Island. And and in, um, and if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. That he's, the harvest mavens were standing around the outside going, Harvest King, mm. come out and play. Yay. I don't know if it just was just a little too dated to get it, but some people were, some people got it. And I was like, so we, we tried to stick crazy New York. Oh, I, I got it completely. Oh, you got it? Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. And then. You guys we... don't tell me he's actually Googling this. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You can say, don't know. You don't know your 70s iconography. I don't. Okay. I don't. And then we uh, we all danced around. We ran around like maniacs, um, around and around for a little bit. Yeah. And everyone got to scream and make a lot of noise. And what the best part about this is, for me, is Battery Park is, the, the Statue of Liberty tour is right there. Yeah. right from there. So every tourist who comes into New York City at some point tends to walk through that space. And you get people, like, stepping off the boat, and they walk into the midst of a pagan pride festival and I mean there's everything going on and the reactions are so mixed some people are just most people have that kind of waspy like yeah I don't know what's going on I'm slightly uncomfortable but I'm gonna pretend like it's all pleasant I'm just gonna walk through the park I'm in New York where things are weird it's okay for me to like it if it's weird because I'm in New York and then when I go back to Omaha I'm gonna pretend it never happened right 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 but but secretly, this sort of they believe this sort of thing must happen every day in New York City. No offense to our friends in Omaha, you guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, watch it. I got some I got some listeners in Omaha. I love Omaha. <laughs> it just was the first place I thought of that wasn't here. Sorry, guys. The feelings mutual. I know, right? Get it? Mutual. Omaha. Oh. <laughs> cricket, cricket. Are this you trying is... to blow? Yeah, I'm trying to blow. Um, no wonder why your boyfriend stays away. Oh, that was really funny, but cruel at the same time. Anyway, right. we were talking about Pagan Pride Day. Yes, and so the reactions range from, you know, standoffish fear and uncertainty to total engagement. People, yeah. like, just, a lot of people grabbed me. Of course, I was in a costume, so people just wanted to have their picture taken yeah. with me, which was a lot of fun. Despite that, like, people just... A lot of people were really receptive to what was happening. They just enjoyed the energy. They were like, how cool is that? Right. Wow, Pagan Pride Day in New York City. Wow, they didn't know there were that many of you guys. Wow. Right. 
right. Where's the blood? Where's the goats? Oh. Oh. Wow, you guys just have like cookies and you're actually just kind of dorky and um, really disappointingly lame, tame, you know, normal people in blue jeans and sweatshirts with pentacles on them. And uh, some of you really know how to cook very well. Yeah. Because that Dawn. Was, yeah, the kitchen witch. Oh, the kitchen witch. She's like, we're all so in love with her. Mm -hmm. It's every year I used to just make a buffet out of her olive oil samples and bread when, when I would come in and it was just absolutely ridiculous um so i actually stayed away because i felt like i just eaten my fill too many times over the years mm -hmm. and she's just the nicest sweetest lady and she also makes these like carves these wooden spoons with pentacles in them which is really great for your kitchen witchery when you're making your stews and mm -hmm. stuff and yeah. Tackling. Yay! so i i love her stuff um i called her the like the mr rogers of the pagan community because she gets in and um, when she gets up on the main stage and she starts talking to people, she insists that people come closer because a lot of people will just stand off on the on the outer boundary of the circle. I'm not really listening <clears throat> to the speaker, so I'm just going to hang it over here. Right. So she draws people in and then, you know, five minutes later I look over and it's like, it's Jesus on the mount. And like everyone Aww. is you know, literally taking I bread from her. Head. Come on. That's doo-doo. Hi, doo-doo. So then uh, you guys concluded the ritual with um, a blessing to the whole community and, and, an, and an urging reminder that every day is Pagan Pride Day. Yeah. And so just get out there and be proud. And if, and if, if we can be true to ourselves and live our, our truths, um, that will radiate outwards and create yeah. change in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that, one of the things that we are really blessed with, and I hope that New Yorkers don't take this for granted, is that most of us, and you know, there's no all, but there most of us can live out as open pagans with relative safety. And that is not true for everywhere in the United States, let alone the world. But we do have people in our pagan um, fellowship that are in places where um, they could get beat up, harassed, fired, anything like that. And they really do have to stay closeted. You know, I work in higher ed and um, I can be out, you know, reasonably out, the same way that my Jewish or Christian friends can be out about their religion as long as none of us are prophesizing, which Wiccans do not do in general. Um, but that's my idea for how we're going to make real change in the world. I want to start getting on the subway and preaching about the goddess. What don't you? Just don't make those chick pamphlets. They're so wasteful. You just, <laughs> if you want to preach, that's fine. Get yourself a sandwich board. I'm going to show up and be like, yeah, oh, oh we should plant, we should plant pagans on different parts of the subway and have them give themselves over to the goddess randomly. Like, who's going to give yourself the goddess? I am! I am! I am! Oh my god. <laughs> you just had another brilliant idea. I just had an idea. We're going to do And so my coven is shivering like, oh no, she's got an idea. <laughs> no, we should totally do that. Yeah. Fla uh, like subway flash mob <clears throat> conversions. And let's see who else we can get involved. You know other people will follow. Absolutely. And we'll probably get some muggle conversions. I know, that's what I'm saying. It's like people will just, you know... They'll feel it. But I don't know, with the advent of the iPod and the, you know, the iPhone, it's really hard to get people to not look up from their phones. They'll look up. No. Especially if some, yeah, you just get someone to throw themselves at, at your feet. We need some girls to flash their titties, which is legal in New York. That's true. Mm. That shouldn't be hard. <laughs> <laughs> we must be careful of these things, you know. There's, there's a fine line between publicity stunts and um, defamation. Yeah, well, actually, defamation, you know, defamation has its own publicity value, so <laughs> darling, let's not forget that. One of my friends, Reverend Jed Miller, she got famous by, well, one of the ways she started getting famous was by uh, 
writing bad things about herself on bathroom walls and bars in Lower East Side. That's hilarious. I know. That's how she started getting a little bit of notoriety, and then her uh, attention to her, her highly talented writing skills took off after that. Wow. Yeah. You too can do this, kids. You too. Just go to your school and write something really nasty about yourself. And then go to the principal's office and cry, and then you'll get to speak out and be like, I can't believe everyone said that I'm the best love machine ever. I'm so <laughs> upset. I love that. It didn't happen to me. Who wants to go to prom? Mmm.
before we move on to more mundane things, I, let's let's talk a little bit more about the harvest season mm-hmm. and what it means now that it's here. It's upon us. Hey, Sam Hain. Sam Hain. <laughs> Sam Hain. <laughs> don't step outside the circle, Sookie. Sam Hain. <laughs> I love True Blood. I love True Blood too. Yeah. Sam Hain. Sam Hain. I was going to cast a circle counterclockwise. Oh, wait, we're in the Northern Hemisphere. Sorry, Sookie. Don't step outside. <laughs> She wasn't with Sookie that day. She was with, what's her name? The one with the red hair who married the crazy guy with PTSD. I forget. Oh, anyway, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a different story. Yeah. Okay. Harvest time. Um, Harvest time. Courtney. Yes, my child. Where is Samhain from? Samhain came from the dark, dark, stormy nights. Many of the first tales of Samhain actually come from Ireland. Samhain was a very, very frightening time of year for the ancient Irish, for it was the time when the first frost would set in. All the crops had to be harvested by this time, or a giant black horse would come and trample them all in the fields in the night. And if they picked any fruits, particularly blackberries after Samhain, I believe I'm getting this right, all my Irish friends are going to kick my ass, um, they would be poisoned by the fairies. And that was the time when the darkness would really set in. And all around the countryside, people would put their fires out. And one major fire would be lit on the hill of the ward where the young man of the house would race up there. Do you mean the fire that daddy never lets go out all year? That's right. They would put it out? One year, once a year at Samhain. Wow. There's also a time when the cattle were driven through the two bonfires. So those who will be allowed to live through the winter be purified. Other cattle who did not plan to, did not think we would probably live through the winter would be slaughtered. Oh, I have to cover my kitty's ears. Yeah. And then what happens? Then the fires will be relit, taken by torches from the hill of the ward, back down, or through coals, back down through the villages, through the valleys, back into the home. Into the pubs? Yeah, into the pubs too. Mm-hmm. That's right. I yeah. like pubs. So it was it was considered the um, Irish New Year, and it really, like all of our Sabbaths, have its roots have their roots in agriculture. And um, at least in this point in human history in Ireland, um, Samhain marked a time when you didn't get your crops in. By then, you probably were going to have some problems going forward because this is what what you collected by Samhain was going to get you through till Imolc. And it was a dark time. It was a scary time. And there was that the reason why it was a time associated with death is because of um, the animals that would be slaughtered and their meat salted and preserved, um, so that would be the source of food through the dark months until the lambs would start giving um, milk again, come, excuse me, the sheep would start giving milk again, come Immel. It was scary, and also there was the belief that the bales were very thin at this time of year, the spirits would come in and out. I think a lot of us can say that we've, we've experienced this, this time of year, like even when I was a kid and I was still a very devout Christian, I believe that there was something kind of spooky evil about Halloween time. I think that there is something to um, our spiritual world and that these ghosts can't, like ghost spirits and other crazy energies can walk in and out. I think it's it makes sense that you would have that dream about crossing over into other portals. I think those things are possible. Here in New York, we often, a lot of us dream of the astral subway that takes us places. You never have a subway. Any of you New Yorkers there, you probably had to dream of the subway cars and they have, there's like, five or six train lines all stacked on top of each other and they're all zigzagging a little bit like a roller coaster. And I was on one last night. It was open air going to Times Square. That was pretty cool. Open air subway. Like, didn't have a roof. What? Yeah. 
Really? Yeah, I dreamt about that. There was somebody else there with me, probably oh, one of you guys listening. Yeah, it. probably. So I've never been on that. I want to go on that thing. That sounds awesome. No, it sounds terrible riding through the subway tunnels in an open air car. <laughs> it wasn't in my dream. It was fresh air. It was lovely. Oh, a car. Yeah, but no, silence is a time when um, it's good to reset your modes of practice as to what is important to me right now. What have I inherited from those who reared slash raised me? You know, what is what is my legacy? What am I going to do with, with myself going in the future? We take stock of a lot of the things that we've tried to do over the past year. When we set our intention, everybody sets their intentions come the secular new year in January. And then it comes to about harvest time, we realize that the year is, is drawing to a close. And for those of us that practice the, um, the wheel of the year, Samhain is the new year. So it's a time of, um, of starting to set plans for the next year. What did you do with this year that you were given? And what do you plan to do next year? Accepting the fact that all of our lives are temporary. So we want to make the most of what we've got. Because when we sit and reflect on death, it's something, it is the one mystery that all of us will experience in addition to birth. All these other mysteries we may or may not fully experience, but we will all, we have all experienced birth, we all experience death. And those are the two only true mysteries in the craft. All these other things are um, blessings or opportunities, rather. Sometimes mysteries are not so much that way. Mm. But not everybody experiences sex. Not everybody experiences love. Not everybody experiences... Podcasting. Podcasting. Mysteries of podcasting. Mm-hmm. You know, now that I mean, there's also <clears throat> the blood mysteries, but not everybody has a uterus. Yeah, some you, women, I was like, are you talking about menstrual now? Yeah, but not all women have uteruses. That's you know, true. and there's also transgender mysteries as we're starting to, oh. you know, the mysteries of transformation that mm-hmm. come when someone switches genders. Not all of us are going to experience that either. But birth and death are the two that we really do experience. So we have to think about that once in a while. And song is a perfect time of year to do it. Why? Because you get We to, like it. And you get to eat a lot of chocolate while you do it. Yeah. Right? Reese's peanut butter cups is oh, the season. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I just always want to eat those around this time of year. Is mm. it because they're orange? It's because they're orange and because of that great commercial with the vampire biting into one. Oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah. That was so great. Right. I really had to suck up to some other executive assistants at my job. I walked around with Halloween candy. Tis the season. And I dropped peanut butter cups and all their candy jars. And I was everybody's favorite EA that day. Aww. Wasn't it? Yeah. Maybe that's what I'll do. It's kind of hard to top my boss, though. She, like, she makes custom, like, candied apples. and. Oh, well, yeah. She bakes things. You should just give out cash. Yeah. That's she the only way you could top that. Just give out money. <laughs> Can't afford it, but that's not a bad idea. Maybe I'll give them quarters and say, you know, go donate this to a charity that matters yeah. to you. Yeah, that'd be nice. There's some change for change. Yeah, right. Yeah, change for change. <laughs> so, what else is on your list? We, did we talk harvest time, or you want to I think that's all we have to say about harvest. Um, we already talked pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, what mysteries more is of there? podcasting. There's the death card in the tarot. That's yeah, yeah. That's really the card. But it's, you kind of already said that. Basically. Again and again. You know, like letting go of structures that don't serve you anymore. Right. There's a temptation to hold on to things because uh, the ego fears dissolution and yeah. uncertainty. And when you stick with the devil you know, <laughs> it's sometimes easier. The crazy bitch you know beats the crazy bitch you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the process, you uh, develop some pretty nasty habits and behaviors and thought iterations around things because, you know... You just don't like being mealy. You don't like being where you are, and you get really blech about it. And all you have to do is unchain yourself and walk away. 
Right. Not everybody does. But that's okay. I like to. I'm a big fan of that. You're a big fan of unchaining and walking away? Always. Yeah. I, I, I wear the chain for, like, you know, kink reasons, and then I'm like, I was going to say, you must not be very fun in dungeon play, because you're like, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> Bye. Your husband's like, honey, what? Speaking of death, you mentioned that there was a horrible dragon coming to New York City. Yes. Let's talk about that. Well, it has to do with hydrofracking, which is everybody's least favorite thing. I hate As I said at Pagan Pride Day, the only kind of fracking we like is the kind that happens in Battlestar Galactica. Since I'm really not cool enough to be uncool enough to know that. You didn't even get that? And I, I know. They basically can't say fuck, so they say frack. <laughs> get it. Get it. In Ireland, they say thick. F-E-C-K. Thick. Thick. Feck you. No, yeah, it's just like, eh, thick. You learn more than one new thing every podcast episode yeah it was fun when i taught my my irish friends the proper use of the term douchebag <laughs> and they're like what does that mean i'm like literally or figuratively like figuratively courtney we know what literally it means a big bad dragon's coming to new york city yeah there's um the new the spectra pipeline which they are trying to put into it sounds pretty i know spectra no well it's green i've seen it so it's like a snake it's like a very long very hard snake. <laughs> Green snake. <laughs> Green, that's oh. No, it's part of what is called the New Jersey New York Expansion Project, and that is a proposed high power, high pressure gas pipeline um, that is planned to travel up the New Jersey shoreline through the edge of Staten Island, under Jersey City, and across the Hudson River, entering Manhattan. And the West Village, Ugh. more commonly known by its builder's parent company from Texas, Spectra Energy. Yeah. Texas has had a lot of problems with gas and pipelines these days. I don't know if you've heard about the Keystone pipe, the tar sands pipeline down in Texas. There's some really, really fierce, brave people who are blocking the construction of a tar sands pipeline in Texas. My grandmother, Granny Licious, is there. Is she? Yes. Did you hear about how Daryl Hannah was arrested with this great grandmother who was stopping him? Is that your great grandmother? Yes. The one that was arrested? Granny Licious. Here's the problem with this pipeline New York City infrastructure cannot hold the kind of heat and pressure from these gas pipelines. Infrastructure is old um, and it's liable to blow up because this is also highly explosive gas. These pipelines are not well regulated at all by the United States. And um, they have been known to leak poisonous chemicals into water systems. Um, they actually just broke a sewer pipe in the West Village last week. So any of you that were hanging around in the West Village down by the river probably noticed there was a very stinky mm. smell going on. Yeah. Um, Not the stinky smell I'm used to down there, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You go a little further past the, yeah. yeah. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Never mind. Anyway, but um, this pipeline, this the gas in this um, pipeline is meant to go to heat homes and also into cooking stoves, and it contains radon, which is a highly carcinogenic gas. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's some. Don't we have detectors that are supposed to detect radon? Right. Those things you? are going to be very, very busy once this if this if 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 this gas actually starts getting in there. But um, another problem with this is that the gas that will be coming through this pipe, as we said before, is hydrofract gas, which if you're not familiar with the process of hydrofracking, it is... Um, ask a Pennsylvanian. Ask a Pennsylvanian. 
Um, it is a system of putting very high, um, high pressure um, chemicals and water into, um, into the ground in order to break up shale rock and get at deposits of natural gas that exist underneath the shale rock. Um, the chemical compounds that go in there have done absolutely destructive things to water systems in, in Pennsylvania and in many, many states far out west. If you want to know more about what specific areas have been really drastically affected by this, I really recommend the documentary Gasland, um, where you can see people actually lighting their faucets on fire because so much of the contaminated gas was getting into their pipes that their own water systems became flammable. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah, and it gets into the groundwater, it gets into our drinking water, and so then... And that gets into your baby's water. Yeah, into your baby's water, into your goldfish's water, into your cat's water. Into your water. Into your water. So Where it's, does the madness end? Yeah, it's it's really, really bad stuff. And once these water sources get contaminated, there's no going in and cleaning it up. You don't just sweep it up. You don't vacuum it up. You don't just up. use more water to clean no, it. No, you don't use more water to clean the water. You just, you know, it continues to spread. So we would be actually encouraging that system of, of gas extraction to continue. Um, Hydrofrac gas also contains methane, which is a which is a contributor to global warming and climate change. And this technology is very new; it's only about ten years old, and so we don't really know all the damaging things that it could cause for another few decades. And here, a lot of states are really pushing to get this practice into place. Now, Cuomo, mm -hmm. and the governor of New York, is on the fence as to whether he's going to allow that here in the state of New York. So if you are a New Yorker, I would suggest getting on the phone and leaving a message in Cuomo's office. You can look him up online, just Google his office, and they will, they will give you a bunch of numbers to where you can contact him. And um, it will tell I'll him, look that up for you. We'll give you the phone number right here on Eat My Pagan Okay. But um, here in New York City, the big fight is to stop the construction of this specific pipeline. In addition to, um, in the Rockaways, there's another pipeline that they're fighting, which is trying to go through um, federal forest land. So um, construction has been going on for a couple of months, but it's going to have to stop come November 1st for the winter, which means we'll have six months to fight them with lawsuits. You know, members of the city of New York are fighting against this. And um, for people that are concerned about the West Village potentially blowing up and um, massive fires, there's about a 10 block blast radius where experts expect that if there were an explosion, we could say goodbye to about 10 blocks of galleries, restaurants, schools, and businesses and homes. And people. And people. There are people in that place. I and mean, imagine Fashion Week, you know, when this thing blows up. There's going to be silicone implants on fire everywhere. People still use silicone implants. They must, right? They do. They do. Well, that would just be a trap. I mean, I, I could, I could understand the people Italian dying. Italian silk. But yeah, no, the fashion. We, mm -hmm. we can't allow that to happen. I no. mean, that's some, some couture shit going on right there. Really upsetting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you want to get involved on how to stop this nasty ass pipeline from coming into the West Village, yes, we've uh, there are weekly meetings at the Brecht Forum in the West Village. I. Um, Encourage people to find go onto the website saneenergyproject.org. That's S A N E E N E R G Y P R O J E C T dot O R G. Um, every Wednesday night at uh, seven o'clock, it's a you know meeting to find out what events are taking place. And there's they've done some really creative stuff. They've done frack mobs um, singing, uh, lip singing to. Um, 
Britney Spears toxic and changing the words to, you know, Spectra. Wearing uh, radar hazmat suits and stuff like that. Spectra, can't you see? I'm calling a pipe like you to wear a warning. It's dangerous. We're fighting here. Where's your money from? The big banks take the money out of the frightened game. It's dangerous. We're fighting it. Thanks, Courtney. That's saneenergyproject.org for yeah. more information. If you'd like to call the governor of New York State, it helps if you are a resident of New York State, otherwise they really don't care. They mm -hmm. want to hear from you. You can call 518-474-8390, or you can just go to governor.ny.gov and get all the contact information there. Let Governor Cuomo know we don't want hydrofracking in State. We do not want hydrofracking in New York State. Also, um, call your district con congressional leaders. This is a federal issue. Your state representatives and state senators will not be able to help you. Your state senate, your excuse me, your U.S. senators and your U.S. Um, congressional representatives are the ones to help you wherever you are in the United States. Um, hydrofracking could be coming for you. North America sits on a very large deposit of, of natural gas that is being quickly extracted through this process. So call your people wherever they are, say you do not want fracking anywhere near you. You know, I would love to say that um, it's the big bad Republicans who are responsible for this, but I have to think, I don't know the exact voting record or how things are going, but there's a lot of rhetoric right now about making the United States energy independent. Yes. Um, and uh, we saw during the first debate with Mitt Romney and Barack Obama that um, obviously Mitt Romney saying that, I think they both say that they want to be energy independent. Um, it's good for the national security and it will dampen down uh, turmoil in the Middle East. But the approaches for getting there are different. So Barack Obama wants to invent, or has invested in clean energy. Yes, so solar wants wind, to continue to right, do so. Right, continues to do so. And we all know that that's not what Romney and his oil buddies want to do. Right. They want to do more hydrofracking. They want to pull fossil fuels from uh, U.S. soil and offshore. I, I know that I can't say that the Republicans are solely to blame for this because Barack Obama did also expand offshore drilling. And also he's oil. he was um, opened up the pipeline, the southern leg of it, through Texas, which people are fighting right now. Right. So that's when my love affair with Obama got very rocky. Yeah. So what's a pagan to do? Uh, how, are we, how, are, how are pagans... Uh, able to reconcile their reverence for the earth and, and the environment um, with an administration, um, the current administration, whose policies have not really reflected where we are ethically, mm -hmm. and then an opposition party coming in or 
trying to come in that's just completely off the map? Um, we have to keep pushing. I think that um, oftentimes pagans can be reclusive when it comes to issues that are of um, national importance because we do get frustrated. We feel like we don't have a voice. We may not have the kind of voice that we want, but we have to work for it. If we are going to worship the earth, we're at a place in human history where we have to fight to worship the earth, we have to fight for the earth. And, um, and really refrain from saying something is the lesser of two evils because that that is a very defeatist mentality. And as we know our words have power, we're actually empowering that which we don't agree with as opposed to say, I don't agree with everything this guy has done. But at the end of the day, this guy is still pointing closer in the direction than the other guy. You're talking about Mitt Romney. Yeah. I really, really, really want the government to put you know stakes on my uterus so they can be in charge of it at all times. Oh, yeah. And I really want the government to uh, enshrine in the Constitution a, a total invalidation of me as a human being. And right. Civil rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because it's just a phase, right? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I can be cured. Yeah, and um, so so and my my uterus can actually tell the difference between rape and illegitimate rape and legitimate rape. And of course, shut down. It's the magical uterus that shuts down. It'll shut it's, that whole thing down. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> there's speaking of things in the bathroom walls, mm. and I read this phrase in the Bowery Poetry Club bathroom wall, and it's it's always been my favorite phrase. It says, "Your heart is a muscle the size of your fist. Keep loving, keep fighting." And so even if it's if it's nothing is going to be 100 percent on on what on what your agenda is, I think there's some I think that there's some balance to that. If we were approved of 100 percent of the things the president or your leader is doing, you're not using your head. You know, you're, there's there should be some room for doubt. Everybody's nobody's infallible. Everybody's human. So the president's not always going to do everything that you want you know, him or eventually her to do. But you have to keep pushing for what's going better in your direction or what what is actually going to speak for you and not just give up and not just say i'm not going to support this election especially if you are in a swing state friends in ohio we love Flo you florida, florida. Talk to well. your old friends in florida yeah come on denise pamble humor my, my boyfriend's mom she's out there canvassing for obama so but uh, honestly um obama has not been the perfect energy guy that I wanted him to be. He's done also a lot of other things that I, you know, I'm opposed to. But at the end of the day, he's moving my country in a direction that I want to see it go in. He's not moving it backward. He's not moving it away. He's not shutting down um, the kind of legislation that we worked so very hard for. I do, even if um, Obama doesn't legalize marriage for all people in the next four years, I think that if he is elected, the next four years will be much closer to that than we are right now. And I do not see that happening with Romney. I do not think that we will be completely on green energy by the time Obama leaves office, but I think we'll be a lot closer to it if he spends another four years in offices post when we have Romney in there, who is likely to actually turn back the work that we've done so far, take away subsidies for green energy, include increase subsidies for oil and coal and stuff like that. We can't afford to do this. This is not an economic thing. It's that I work at Columbia University, so I'm exposed to a lot of the things that scientists are saying about how much time we have to close, to, to shut down how much carbon we put into the air. And we're looking at like five to 10 years. This is not a lot of time. If somebody like Romney gets into office, if he's a one-term president, we've lost half of that time in how we can shut down these carbon emissions. But with Obama, we may be able to 
give ourselves a, a wider opening there. We may be able to cut some things back. So you've got to go with what's, in, remember with a country like ours that's this big and, and frankly this stable. I was talking to a guy from Germany and I said, you know, it's frustrating um, when it feels like our country, our leaders are so centrist. He said, yeah, that's a sign of a stable democracy. So well, he's right because in unstable countries where they're constantly switching what, who's in charge, what things were going, the people live in a very unstable environment. We do live in a stable environment. Now things have a lot of ways to improve. Not everybody's doing well. We're not everybody's, we're not doing nearly as well as many of our first world neighbors. But we do have a sense of stability to our chaos. We've got to try to move that chaos even into more stability that's moving forward into a direction that is more about the liberty and things that our forefathers and forefathers fought for. So on November 6th, you're going to vote for Obama, obviously. I am going to vote for Obama. You're going to stop there? You're going to... I am going to do something I, it's a little opposed to my nature. I'm just going to vote Democrat all the way down the ticket because at least when it comes to the local elections, um, state elections or, you know, representatives for my, my area of Manhattan, I'm much more critical um, because the changes are going to, I have more access to the changes that are around me. You know, I can actually talk to my you know, city council people when they're on the street campaigning and tell them I'm concerned about the specter energy when it comes to the national level. I don't agree with every Democrat that's in Congress, but I feel like the Democrats are moving my country closer to where I want it to be. Um, they are fighting for protection of Roe v. Wade. They are fighting for protection of, um, you know, of women's, women's health. They are fighting for not quite as much as I wish they were, not everywhere, but they are fighting more for marriage equality than, say, a Republican, you know, individuals. And that's not to say that every Democrat is on this, is, is, is you know, in agreement with me on these issues. It's not to say every Republican is opposed to them. But the Democrats as a whole are moving things slowly, incrementally in the direction I want to see our country go. And Which I don't is kind of how magic works. Yeah, it's true. It's you the know. as above and so below thing. You have to focus on the national level, also on the community level, and within your home. Mm -hmm. I'm all down with making things work in the right direction, and um, that's why the long view is very important in these sorts of situations. You know, pay attention to the narrative. Don't look just ahead either. Look far behind you and see. You know, what was the last 50 years like in this country, and yeah. how did we get to where we are today? That's why history is very important, and no, not just. And this is actually a good segue too not just um, for politics, but also for our own community, for the pagan community. Yeah. And I, I guess this is the first um, podcast that, I, that I'm doing since Bull of Heaven was published. Um, maybe. I don't remember if I talked about it before. I know I interviewed the author, of course, right. Michael Lloyd. Um, but now that the book is out, I've had an opportunity. I've, I've read like a quarter of it. It's really dense in places um, because it's just so chock full of really good information about what was happening in New York City in the 60s and 70s, um, what what contributed to the rise of the New York City pagan scene, mm -hmm. and then what went down there and who were the people involved. And it's just a great historic primer for people to read. If you're going to be a New York pagan, um, <clears throat> read this. But if, if you're a pagan anywhere, read not only this history, but look into the history of your own community, yeah. where, wherever you are yeah. in, in the world. So, yeah, history is super important because it just gives you a perspective it, I really believe that you can't know where you're going until you know where you came from. Right, and that's that's is a, an important theme of Samhain as well. Is the, what are the lessons we can learn from our ancestors? Where where have we come from? And so where are we as a people going based on you know, the patterns of what our ancestors have have done? I mean, Americans are um, a culture that sets a norm and breaks it 
sets another norm that breaks. So that seems to be our own cultural legacy and tradition. Is that we've established a pattern of the way things are. And then we're going to have a counterinsurgency come and mow it all down. You know, we left the beaver, you know, the beaver cleaver world of the stay-at-home mom is the only way for mom to be. And the only way for a father to be is is to you know, go out and do his job and come home. And the only way for a couple to be is heterosexual. And the only way for a family to be is a two-parent home. I mean, and then in you know, the last few decades, we've really challenged that, especially the last few years. There's been a lot of challenge to how marriages are and how um, parenting is and how families are structured and there's a lot of different kinds of families and that we're starting to understand that love is what makes a family and not the not, not the, the nuclear family that we were actually fed and offered is not automatically the best family. And there are a lot of wonderful families that are like that, but that's not, we're, we're starting to learn more about how different families come together. And that's just one of the many ways that we, as Americans, we set our norm, this is our norm, and then we're going to come down and we're going to mow down our own norm and build it into something else. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to, you know, politics, we have to stop pretending that politics shouldn't matter because we're never going to get rid of them. Politics are to societies the way colds and flus are to the human body. They're going to come up. They are going to happen. We're human beings. We're going to fight. We're going to disagree. Our feelings are going to, our feelings are going to get hurt and um, we're going to fight. We're going to get you know, upset about it. Some of us are going to walk away and some of us are going to heal. It's the same thing when you get a disease that affects your physical body. You're going to be you're going to pick up a germ and your antibodies are going to fight it. You're going to feel like crap. And hopefully you're going to be stronger for it toward the end. And hopefully it's not going to take you down. Eventually something will. But even the Tea Party has its own gifts to us. And that they challenge us to stand up on our toes and say, okay, wait a second. I can't get complacent and just assume that marriage equality is going to happen everywhere. It was just like when Prop 8 came in and mowed down California. As a result, people rose up and stopped thinking, oh, yeah, eventually we're all, everybody's going to get to get married. Prop 8 happened, and people in New York said, that's it. That's not happening here, and we fought. I don't think that we would have had marriage equality in New York so soon had we not had Prop 8 in California. Mm-hmm. So there is a gift to Tea Party. So I just want to thank them and say thank you for keeping me awake and thank you for, you know, it's brought feminism back. Because in the 90s, I admit, I was part of that whole, you know, backlash of I'm not a feminist. And then one day I'm looking around and I may, I may lose my right to choose. I may lose my access to birth control. So I have to stand up and fight. Just like these cute little, little grannies that have a sign to say, I can't believe I still have to fight for this shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's one thing that I would like to say for anybody who's listening out there and is struggling with, um, you know, politics or infighting within their communities don't have arguments over the internet. Don't have arguments over email. Sit down and talk about it. You know, how there's a talking stick for a purpose. I mean, I think that we can work on, you know, ways to just better communicate, understand we're having a disagreement that's normal. In fact, that's healthy to the community. Let's sit down and talk about it. Let's arrange a time where we all sit and meet. But I think the electronic community and people blogging and saying things, masking who they're mad at, mm-hmm. or sending you know enraged emails to somebody and pressing send because they can't have anything to come back, and so, or somebody misreading something said over an email that maybe wasn't meant in a heated way, and then reacting you know harshly. It's like pick up the phone, and if you can't if you can't sit down in person, and let's have conversations together. And some disagreements can't be worked out. Understanding that's also part of it. But um, when we can try to keep our eyes on the bigger prize, like, you know, I pumpkins. can pumpkins, right? I, I can get mad about the way something was worded on a Facebook thread today. 
or I can get mad about the Spectre pipeline. And I frankly, I like to get mad at things that are bigger than me. And so anything that is around, so if, if somebody comes and gets you know, really in my face and does some, I, I'm, I'm be mad at the, the man who mugged my neighbor on Saturday. That's the guy I'm mad at. But I'm not going to be so mad about somebody who said something snarky and highfalutin about, you know, something I did or said. They're, they're entitled to their opinion. I don't care. You know, they weren't, they didn't outright dismear people I love. They just said something I thought was like kind of dumb. But um, let, I'm going to turn my anger to the guy who, you know, mugged my neighbor who's now behind bars mm-hmm. or these people trying to railroad this pipeline into my city. I'm mad at that. Mm-hmm. You know. Here, here. Yeah. For now, Corky Hopper. All right. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Thanks for being on the show. I know that um, you bring certain something to this podcast. I hope so. Yes. What that is remains to be seen. Right? <laughs> He's like, I have a feeling that a little penicillin will clear it up. <laughs> So, Courtney Weber, thank you for eating my pagan ass. It's been a pleasure. She's still trying to blow that bottle, kids. Oh, hey. She, she got a little noise there. Oh, my God. She's getting better. Thank you. That's the best blowjob I've seen all day. <laughs> oh, that's sad. That's really, really sad. <laughs> Say goodbye to the hookers. Bye, hookers. Lots of be, motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah.
Lucky Licious from Eat by Pagan Ass, a pagan podcast that believes dirty jokes can save the world. Enlightenment doesn't have to be dull. Join us in blurring the lines between the sacred and the profane. Be offended. Be enlightened. It's all the same to us. Rules. Who needs them? If you don't like it, well, you can eat my ass. Never underestimate the power of humor. Visit eatmypaganass.com or search Eat My Pagan Ass on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes. Hey, 